Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Paul D. Blanc will join us to discuss fake silk. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. the Grok's Science Show. Well, the current greenwashing of viscous products as being eco-friendly is exposed in the new book Fake Silk, The Lethal History of Viscous Rayon by Dr. Paul D. Blanc. Dr. Blanc is a professor at the University of California in San Francisco, and he is the author of How Everyday Products Make People Sick and writes the Household Hazards blog for Psychology Today. And uh, Professor Blanc, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok's Science Show. Happy to be here. Certainly our pleasure. Certainly a very fascinating book you've written here entitled Fake Silk, The Lethal History of uh, Viscose Rayon. I'm curious, why did you decide to write this book? Well, I'd done some work on the subject in my previous book that you mentioned, How Everyday Products Make People Sick, and I realized the story was far bigger than I could do justice to uh, in that context, and it just expanded as I dug more and more. uh, I discovered more aspects of the story, some of which were quite shocking, actually. How pervasive is rayon, and how is it glossed over or greenwash, as you say? Well, it's uh, it's a big product. It was the uh, the rayon that's in textile was really the first uh, synthetic textile, and it predates by several decades nylon and other things that people think of as being quite modern. So it stretches back to the turn of the last century, 1900, and at the very same time. Uh, the same starting materials were used uh, to make uh, another product that's closely related, and that is cellophane, uh, which uh, is still around as well. And um, viscose refers to uh, cellulose that's been dissolved with a toxic chemical called carbon disulfide. So the heart of the matter is the carbon disulfide. I think one of the reasons why people don't pay much attention to it is it's just the manufacturing workers that come in contact with it and the environment into which it's released that is the problem. And the final consumer product is safe. And it so happens that consumers don't give very much attention to products that people got sick making if it's okay once it gets to them. Out of sight, out of mind uh, problem. The, that's right. Or not in my backyard. What do I, what me worry? <laughs> so where's the major production of rayon or where, where are the major producers that use carbon disulfide? Is it is it in the U.S. or is it mostly even out of the U.S., out of sight? Uh, you're getting at, at a key point. It used to be that it was a huge manufacturing industry in the United States, in Great Britain, in Italy, in France, Germany. And in fact, during World War II, it was a strategic material. So it was quite important to the Allies and to the Axis powers as well, and in Japan. 
And then after the war, it started to migrate, especially in the latter part of the 50s and 60s, 70s. So now all of the rayon textile manufacturing is gone from the United States, gone from Great Britain, uh, mostly gone from Europe. There's a little bit in Central Europe. And the big producers are, not surprisingly, China, India, and a country you might not think of in this regard, Indonesia, and a little bit elsewhere. But that's those are the big rayon textile producers. There's still one very large cellophane manufacturer in the United States, and the other uh, type of ma- two other types of manufacturing that are big worldwide, including in North America, is uh, related to cellophane. It's it's clear viscose casing for hot dogs skinless hot dogs and other sausages they're actually molded into uh, this kind of casing and then the casing is taken off later and then sponges that everybody is so familiar with are mostly viscose prior to most of the uh, textile carbon disulfide usage uh, moving overseas was it appreciated damage this cost to the workers were there more precautions in the u.s before then or is it just uh, something that's always been not really well uh, protected at least in terms of the manufacturing well it's yeah, there's two parts to your question. One is, did people understand it was hazardous? That is, say by people, I mean, did medical scientists understand it? Did government regulators, to the extent they existed, understand it? And the answer to that is yes. In fact, carbon disulfide was a big chemical in the 19th century rubber industry, and that's where the toxic hazards were first reported. It has a very interesting toxicity, first of all. It's a little bit hard to miss. It makes people crazy. So in the 19th century, one of the famous rubber factories had to put iron bars in the windows because people otherwise jumped out the second floor in their insanity from the chemical. Um, So it's been very well recognized but very poorly regulated. And in fact, the United States, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, has one of the worst legal control levels in the world. Uh, It's equivalent to the standard in India, I believe, but even China has a more strict limit on exposure, and certainly in all the European countries. Hmm. Why, why is this? I mean, compared to uh, several other types of toxic chemicals that might be uh, more regulated, how did this one kind of slip through or slip by? Well, two things. There was a disequilibrium of power, so the, the industry has, has always been quite powerful. And secondly, when OSHA attempted to lower its limits make them more conservative, more health protective. Uh, In a big group effort uh, in the 1980s, the chemical industry sued and won in the Supreme Court and all of the OSHA standards, new standards were thrown out and OSHA has never gone back one by one to revisit most of these. Is there any uh, hope that they will, or is it just now that uh, a, a lot of it's overseas, they, they really have no incentive to? Well, it's, again, we still have producers using carbon disulfide for sausage casings and for sponges and for cellophane. So still, there are still workers exposed. Uh, do I have any hope that there'll be a newer, lower limit in the next four years? Uh, my answer would be an unequivocal no. I do not have such a hope. Is is part of the problem also this uh, greenwashing of, of viscose products that essentially is, is make it seem as if it, it's not as uh, deleterious to the workers as it really is? So, well, that's certainly a part of the problem. I mean, people, uh, first of all, 
there's a tendency not to use the term rayon, so the term viscose is used. So if you ask somebody, they say, oh, well, rayon, that's not made anymore. And I say, well, what about viscose? And they say, oh, viscose, yeah, sure, of course. And so that's part of the separation, although that's not so much for green marketing as much as that rayon had a kind of tawdry or cheapness associated with it. I think the, the greenwashing is not directly related to occupational or environmental limits, but it is related, it is a marketing technique. And since it's based on cellulose plus a toxic chemical, if you just emphasize the cellulose as opposed to petrochemicals that are used as the basis of nylon or uh, polyester, then in that narrow sense, it's a greener or more renewable product. But that's really not reality. Given the fact that it has this health uh, consequences, it's been more than a century. Aren't there alternatives to be used, or is it are there factors that are just being cheap and and the infrastructure widespread that it, it has that going for it over other other uh, manufacturing methods? I think there's 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 two parts to it. Well, there have been improvements in the manufacturing using carbon disulfide, and that's to save money because what was happening before is the carbon disulfide was going right out into the room where the workers worked and then out into the air, and it's expensive. So if you have a more enclosed capturing system, uh, the workers are, are spared and the environment is spared, but really it's done to save money. And so from that point of view, modern manufacturing, for example, in the factory I saw in Austria, is uh, pretty tightly controlled. Uh, I, I haven't had access to a factory in China, so I can't tell you what's going on there. In terms of other alternate ways of producing rayon itself, regenerated cellulose fiber, there is one other chemical that's been developed in the last 30 years that can be used. I have two comments on that. One is, yes, it is more expensive, but two, there's never really been any adequate uh, human health and very minimal even animal testing health on that uh, alternate chemical. And one of the big problems in um, modern manufacturing is often there's a rush to substitute with uh, another product, and in the end it turns out that that other chemical is not a panacea. So, uh, so better the devil you know here. <laughs> well, I, I'm not going that far, but I'm just saying there are questions. So, uh, as you mentioned, it is uh, overseas and, and uh, standards vary. Uh, any sense whether they uh, appreciate this or kind of the Wild West there? Well, as you might guess, it's uh, very heterogeneous. And again, we're talking about the rayon industry. The other carbon disulfide using industries that are in America have had citations from OSHA, even at the uh, lousy standard that OSHA has. So, Again, not to overstate the, the overseas nature, yes, uh, rayon textiles overseas, but other um, viscose industries are not entirely overseas. Uh, in terms of uh, data, health data from places like India and China, um, you can imagine the, the data are sparse, and sometimes the data that we have are not from medical studies but from cultural anthropologists studying a factory town in India. And one of the classic toxicities of carbon disulfide is that it causes impotence, for example. And one of the cultural anthropological studies I came across that talked about impotence in rayon workers in India as a symbolic 
religious, a cultural issue and sort of missed the boat on the, uh, the actual toxicity. So besides sort of increasing protection for the workers, are there any uh, sort of treatments that have been developed for exposure to carbon disulfide? No, it's really primary prevention. Once the damage has been done, all you can try to do is not make any more damage. And of course, the acute, short-term, high-level psychiatric effects are not seen very often anymore. But as we've developed better ways of looking at adverse health outcomes, it's become clear that carbon disulfide can cause Parkinsonism and with even lower, more insidious exposure, increase the risk of heart attack and stroke significantly. So are workers trying to demand better protection or better precautions from from their employers uh, regarding their safety? It's always been a trade-off that workers have not had much leverage to demand adequate health protections. And of course, as the workforce is less and less organized as uh, workers' unions either don't exist or don't have much power, uh, the problem only becomes more exacerbated. And in economies where it's state control of the economies, uh, such as in China, it's dubious that the, the workforce has much traditional leverage in that way. So is there anything that uh, the average person can do to try and uh, promote or support increasing worker protection, uh, boycotting buying these products, or, or what, uh, what do you think can be done in this respect here? Well, there are some models if you look at textile manufacturing for consumers pressuring that there be adherence to um, minimum international health and safety standards for work workers. That's certainly been applied to traditional secondary apparel manufacturing from places like Bangladesh. So it could be possible that that kind of model of consumer engagement could have an effect. I think the first starting point is at least awareness that it's not all hunky-dory and green. Well, I'm curious, we are running slightly out of time. What uh, final words regarding the manufacturing of, of viscose rayon and sort of the outlook for the future of, of manufacturing of this? Uh, do you think it'll be with us for for a while, or, or uh, what, uh, what do you think we can uh, expect in terms of the safety of, of the manufacturing? You know, there was a, a point in time where uh, uh, Halston, the, the designer, got deep into uh, rayon, and it, one of his promotional advertisements that was featured in a, a film about him, he says, rayon will be with us for a long, long time, and I think, I think it's true, it will be. I think that it can be seen as uh, something of a cautionary tale as we look at new products. Once upon a time, this was a great new product and uh, as, as modern as modern could be, and I think we have to um, be skeptical as products come on the market, uh, not just for what the potential hazards might be to consumers, but what about back up the chain of manufacturing? And also, where does it go after the consumer uses it? And what's its effect on the environment? All broader questions for a broad host of products out there. <laughs> so, yes, absolutely. Certainly a fascinating book you've written here, uh, Fake Silk, The Lethal History of uh, Viscose Rayon. The author, again, was uh, Professor Paul D. Blank. Uh, professor Blank is a professor of medicine and holds the endowed chair at the Occupational Environmental Medicine uh, Department at the University of California, San Francisco. And uh, Professor Blank, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you so much.
And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.